The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the dagger? Great night to be a Mountaineer, wherever you may be. Agent back to pass, rush down the pocket, throwing it downfield, it's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Wednesday the 4th. You are tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths. Since 1995, Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths have delivered distinguished remodeling services to our home community of Martinsburg. From new construction to remodeling, Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths can design your new kitchen or bath. Their talented designers can bring to life any concept you'd like to create. <clears throat> Excuse me. So check them out at MountaineerKitchensandBath.com on Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning, fellas. Good morning. How we doing? Doing well. Both uh, both exciting games last night for both of us on our family stations. Berkeley Springs coming up with a win, forty nine to thirty six. Well, you all had an exciting one as Jefferson overcame Martin Martinsburg last night. So a lot of fun action going on yesterday. We got Shepherd action going on tonight. It's a the it's in full swing. Basketball season looks like it's fully making its return to the Panhandle. It's pretty cool to see everything going on as football looks to die down all throughout the nation. Well, let's get into uh, well, let's get into Berkeley Springs first because Berkeley Springs they've been kind of rolling and they had a good basketball season last year and they've kind of picked up where they left off. They were sitting around five hundred, but a win last night gets them over that mark. Yeah, it was a great win for the team. It was there was a lot of adversity going on for them this season. Of course, when the lineup you got Holden Gerson who's out for the game. He has an Achilles injury. Not sure what the timetable on his his return is going to be. Cole Owsler was out of the lineup. He's got a knee injury going on. And as well as R.J. Thompson wasn't able to play, and Thompson came up big in their matchup over in the holiday tournament where they won. He was named to the all-tourney team. He gets under the weather and sick, and he's unable to play. So the Tribe already come in shorthanded, and then Ty May Ross goes down midway through the second quarter. He has a lower back injury. I talked with Coach Brenniger, said he's day-to-day, and the Tribe don't suit back up until they go on the road against Kaiser. So hopefully Ty here gets healthy in that time. But he said day-to-day, but a lot of underclassmen stepped up, and a lot of guys who normally would see time coming off the bench really stepped up, namely. Landon Seatrump, big sophomore, had a couple big threes in the second and third quarter. And namely, Jacob Sheiky, he had his first start on a varsity level last night, leads the team in scoring with 12 points and really came up big in the fourth quarter, scoring six in that quarter. Of course, you can hear Berkeley Springs basketball over on 92.9 WXDC and hear some of the highlights from last night's Tribe win. Ross puts up the three, and it's good. Berkeley Springs takes the lead 12-9, to nine, minute 40 remaining in your opening quarter. What a play from Ross as he saves the ball as it's going to be Allen with it now for Berkeley Springs. He loses it but recovers. Carlester Allen trying to make a play for a layup, and he gets it in. Schreiber up by three. It's going to be Ashton Hasslacker with it. Takes a three, but it's blocked by Ross. And Ross is going to push it up the court. Sends it over to Sheiky. Sheiky behind the back. Move is in. What a play from Sheiky. What an athletic move there for a guy who usually plays down low. And it's now 16-11 to 11 your score. Glazer with Young driving inside. It's going to be Seatrump. Three-point attempt. It's good. Two for three this quarter. Landed Seatrump. 24-18 is your score. Sheiky sends it over. Young thought about trying to get it. He's going to drive inside. Spin move. Puts it up. What a play from Gavin Young. He had Dawson Price all over him as Young steps up there. 
Gets the Tribe lead back up to five. No good. Rebounded almost from Dakota Hamrick, but he gets it back on a second effort. Hamrick hook shot. What a play from Dakota Hamrick. 32-29 to the score. Less than three to go in your third quarter. Berkeley Springs basketball. One second here. Just a tip for an alley-oop, you would think. Or a quick basket to go. Quick feed. Seatrup three-pointer in the corner, and he got it! Landon Seatrump, ice in the veins. Gives the Tribe a three-pointer to end your third quarter of action. Big game there for the sophomore. Getting the rebound of Sheiky. It's one-on-one. Sheiky bounce up. Good. Jacob Sheiky does it again. Big play there from Sheiky, the 6'1 junior. And that is going to cause Christopher Hahn to call a timeout. Block there from Sheiky will close it out, it seems. The C-Trump will take control. Dribbling up the court, five seconds, four seconds as the Tribe are going to hang on despite the adversity. 49-36, your final here for Morgan Jim. As the Tribe moved to five and four on the season, East Hardy drops to three and four. And, and of course, you can hear Berkeley Springs basketball over on 92.9 WXDC all season long. And Cheeky, my goodness, sounds like he had a pretty good game. Yeah, he had a great game coming on at his first varsity start. He's a junior. He, he usually plays down low for him. Saw him all over the place. He's playing a lot of kind of the smaller forward, maybe a little bit of two-guard slotting into some spots. He played a really good game and talked with him and Coach Brenniger in the post game. They're saying a lot of adversity for him. They And Coach told him, I talked. I wanted to talk to him really about that North Marion loss that they had towards the end of this past year. And he was talking about, well, they hung with him for double overtime, and he told their team, yeah, they were dejected after losing to North Marion in a tough game that went to double overtime. But he told him, he's like, you all are tough and you all are for real. And they are for real. They're a really good team. And again, they did that and they beat East Hardy. They stretched the lead out and won by double digits without their best player on the court, too. And how's time you're looking coming back? Or I guess looking to come back? Uh, as far as I know of, he's day-to-day, and it's kind of to be determined on what's going on there. I'd say it's nothing too serious from what I saw. What happened, it was midway through the second quarter. He was diving to go get a ball towards the Berkeley Springs bench, and I think he got an inerrant knee from an East Hardy player in the lower right-back region. So he went to the bench there, tried to come out for the second half, kind of had a hobble to him, so they just rested him the rest of the second half. Hopefully he's all right and he can get back for the Kaiser game. If not, then hopefully when we get back to try basketball back on WXDC when they play on the road against Hampshire but it's nothing I think that's going to keep him out long term namely what I'm concerned about for Berkeley Springs is the size later on in the season because you got Cole Owsler who's out of the lineup who's had a really good start of this season he's kind of really stepped into the center spot RJ Thompson who's really been a great player off the bench for him he should be back in the lineup next game he was just a little bit under the weather and then again Holden Gerst another guy he's six foot two so that's a guy who's six foot four and a guy who's six foot two key contributors and two starters on your team that are out of the lineup right now if they can get those guys back in by the end of the season I really do think this team's got a good shot to make it to Charleston if things line up the way they want it to if they took a North Marion team to double overtime with mm-hmm. how beat up they are they got a really good shot guys well it was a good win for the tribe and again of course you can hear all those games over on 92.9 WXDC with Parker Stone on the call and um, you can always see those highlights of course over on our Panhandle News Network Twitter as well now uh, on WEPM and WCSD specifically last night had uh, also a really good game between Jefferson and Martinsburg. It was kind of uh, a battle of the two big uh, big teams here in the EPAC, Luke. There were a ton of people at the game. The atmosphere was wild, and well, they saw a really good game, and people heard a really good game here on WPM. Yeah, like you said, great crowd, great game. Uh, Martinsburg had a good game plan early, came out in the zone, uh, limited the shots that Jefferson was able to make, jumped out to a seven-point lead at the end of the first and led at halftime as well, but just kind of ran out of gas down the stretch of this game. Uh, Jefferson just has too many players that can hit shots when you need them 
too. Jenkins and Gladney in the backcourt. Will Shively was kind of muzzled early, was able to start to uh, really find his rhythm. Uh, and his brother, Wyatt, had a fantastic mm-hmm. game in this game. Uh, goes for 22 points. Um, it, it, Martinsburg had an unbelievable individual performance from Avion Blackwood. Goes for 32. And, and they had done this with Clark missing some time, trying to figure out who the next scorer was going to be. So Blackwood coming into his own, paired with Clark, and the rest of the depth that they have means Martinsburg's a force to be reckoned with. And if we're able to hear Coach Lewis's thoughts, you know, he his opinion was he didn't expect this to be a down Martinsburg team, and he wasn't sure why everybody kind of considered that they would be because they showed it really well. But on the other side of things for Jefferson, Jamari Jenkins finished with 27 points, which we believe is his career high. Uh, Wyatt Shively with 22. Gladney had a pretty quiet 18, but 18 nonetheless. Uh, and Jefferson uh, was able to take care of business in this game after getting a pretty good punch early on from their cross-county rival. And here is Coach Lewis after the game. Let's start with the, the end of the first quarter. What do you say to the team? You're down seven. Martinsburg has a great game plan. Come out and kind of punch you in the mouth a little bit. What would you say to kind of settle nerves? Just wake up. You know what I mean? Just wake up and play our game. We missed some shots. We missed some easy layups. Had a couple turnovers we normally have. And they made a lot of shots. I thought they played well. They came out and they took the game to us, and we really didn't um, answer early on. So I think the biggest thing was just wake up and just play our game. Saw a lot of zone tonight. Did you uh, kind of feel like you handled that pretty well? Yeah, yeah. We, actually, we knew they were going to play that. It's, it's, it's crazy how, like you, uh, you scout so much and you know tendencies uh, with Coach Rogers and Coach Basie. That I knew they were going to play like a one-two-two-three-two. So we talked about it like the last couple of days. And I told the team that yesterday. I said well, I'm coaching. I would play that zone too. So it was weird that they played the whole game. <laughs> uh, well, the two Shivelys obviously have had some big games for you throughout their careers. Mm-hmm. Kind of a bit of a role reversal tonight. Mm-hmm. Will's a little bit more of the role player, and Wyatt goes for 22. You have to be pleased with what you saw from him, especially yeah. underneath the basket in the offensive glass. Yeah, we've been waiting for that. Um, we've been kind of waiting. He's been about a little under five points, five rebounds. So we've been just talking to him about, hey, we need a breakout game from you. Because um, I know he, he he did well this summer. He had some games this summer where he, played, you know, he scored 16, 17, 18 points. So we're just kind of waiting. I think the football legs is starting to get 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 away from him. He's starting to get basketball legs, so we're we're, we're expecting that moving forward. Uh, I, I I'm sure it's not a career high for Jamar in this game, but mm-hmm. close to it, right? Goes for 27. It might be a career high. It might be. Okay. Yeah, I think he had 26 the first game, you know, okay. and that was a career high. Okay. So, so yeah, I, I, I didn't know how many he had, but it doesn't surprise me. Um, I wish he wouldn't settle um, for some of those threes that he took. But, uh, other than that, I mean, I think uh, he's starting to he's starting to pick it up, going to the basket, starting to play make more. He's starting to be the overall guard that he is. On the other side of things, Blackwood, what's kind of your philosophy when dealing with a player like that? Is it take away his teammates and let him get his, or were you trying to you know do what you could to stop him? He goes for a really impressive thirty-two in this game. Yeah, we were trying to just keep him out of the paint, but um, <laughs> that didn't really work too well. Um, and then what our style of play kind of opens up some things. For players like him, so you know it's 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 one of the things where you can you can kind of pack it in and see what happens, and then that might actually mess us up a little bit. So I think uh, I wasn't surprised he had thirty two. I knew he had a lot, um, but yeah, we were trying to make him shoot that ball from the outside and, and, and live with that. But he he does a good job of just getting to where he, to where he wants to. Uh, and lastly, Coach, first uh, taste of conference play here, and mm-hmm. it's a, it's certainly a tough one. I don't know what your opinions were of Martinsburg coming into the mm-hmm. season, but you think about Hedgesville and Spring Mills, all the other teams that you mm-hmm. have to play that some people would say would be better than Martinsburg. This sets a, a pretty good floor, whatever you want to look at it, regardless of how you look at it. It's just going to be a tough conference. Yeah, a lot of people will say that, and I told the team, I told the team, I don't think that. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I'm probably one of the ones that don't think that way. Um, I think Martinsburg has a good young team. Um, they showed tonight, I think Blackwood um, is a really good player. 
I think they have some really good guards. I mean, I, I never thought that they were a team that's below Mark, um, Spring Mills or Hedgesville. I think they're all about the same. So we'll see um, the next couple of weeks, next month or so. Jane will tell us a lot about, <laughs> about the EPAC. Of course, you heard that game right here on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network, last night. And it was a hard-fought matchup, and I was uh, impressed with the play of Blackwood, of course, uh, for Martinsburg, getting 30-plus points. But what I was most impressed with was the defense, especially the transition defense, for Jefferson. They were in a full court press the entire night, full court trap press the entire night, and they worked that to a T. And coach was saying there, you know, sometimes with that full court press, they, they kind of got exposed sometimes. I think that's where Blackwood got a lot of his points was in kind of that transition play where he was able to just use his speed to get behind the last guy. But all in all, I mean, for the first conference game, you know, really in earnest that we've had on the radio here on WPM and WCST, boy, was it a fun one. Yeah, it was. And Blackwood, uh, I, I thought, played really well. Like we said, uh, body control change of speed I thought he did a lot of things really well in this game to get those 32 points in a sped up game it's going to be interesting the rest of the way because the the EPAC is a guard driven conference you know what Cheek's going to be able to do against Jefferson in a run out like that I know Hedgesville's got some really good guards Uh, we've seen Dolman already from Washington as well Um, but you know Jefferson's going to live and die by speeding things up and being able to try to hit their shots and get teams going in transition Uh, so that's a trade-off they're willing to take because even though Blackwood goes for 32, they win the game by double digits. So I, I liked a lot what I saw from Jefferson. I think the gap between them and Martinsburg and them and Hedgesville and them and everybody else in the in the EPAC is a little bit closer than we thought it would be at the beginning of the year, which just bodes well for us on the radio, obviously, because there's not going to be an easy conference game or a non-competitive conference game, I think, for the entirety of the season. Yeah, and I think that's the case with a lot of what you see in the EPAC. Every single night, you're going to have a team that's going to be on upset alert if you look into it. You look into it and you say, well, Jefferson probably would have been favored in this game. You have Martinsburg lead at the half. That tells you how good, once again, the floor you would say of the EPAC is. Martinsburg, are they the number four team? Are they the number five team? The matchup with them against Musselman, I think it's going to be big. And them against Washington as well. If they can pull a couple wins from maybe a Hedgesville or upset a Spring Mills, you could see the Bulldogs maybe making a little bit of a run, making a little bit of noise come playoff time and Jefferson I've talked about it beforehand I made the claim yesterday that I think Spring Mills right now is the best team in the EPAC right now and it's gonna it's gonna be between I think them and Jefferson again it just speaks to the fortitude of that team to come back into the second half really execute a game plan win like they did and it's gonna be you can't have games like that we talked about it during football season you can't have games where you get lackadaisical against a team well you're expecting to go in and beat and then you go against a team that's a lot bigger you're not going to be able to have that opportunity to come back like that. So what's looking into what we see tonight, again, it's early January. It's kind of you're getting your feet wet a little bit in the conference play right now, trying to figure out where you are as a team. I think we're going to get, like Coach said in there, we're going to figure out late into January what the EPAC really looks like. And right now it looks like a three-team race for getting to Charleston, I think. It's between Jefferson, Spring Mills, and Hedgesville. Well, we'll step aside briefly. We'll come back and keep talking basketball because there's all kinds of action going on around the EPAC, the Panhandle, and the PSAC, of course, as well. That's all happening on our family of stations at the Panhandle News Network. So sit around for more Panhandle Sports Live after the break on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Hey, it's Ronnie Brown. going to be a handoff to Ronnie Brown. He's got a hole through the middle. It's a step front to the 10, the 5, touchdown, Ram. And you listening to Panhandle Sports Live.
Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bath. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com. On Facebook, you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Of course, you heard Ronnie Brown bringing us in uh, from the break. He is a potential next, uh, well, just say NFL superstar for that matter, because we know if Ronnie Brown gets his shot in the NFL, he's going to be a superstar <laughs> immediately. So we'll talk about football stuff uh, a little bit later on after the bottom of the yard, but let's keep talking a little basketball. Uh, Spring Mills girls, they end up beating St. James. And uh, is this the right score? It is. 90, yes. 91 to 5? That is yes. correct. To f- like 5, like, like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Yes. The, yes. the, the the story I got from Rick Kozlowski, I believe, on Twitter, I'll have to pull up the Martinsburg Journal article, which, by the way, pick up a copy of the Martinsburg Journal. Uh, was Paper that, copy. Yeah, a real paper copy. copy a go. real copy. I don't have a real copy in front of me. Uh, <laughs> we got one out there. Kels. Okay, okay. Um, I believe St. James had taken two shots uh, at halftime. They had not scored and had taken two shots. Um, I it doesn't even make sense to my brain. I don't know if like, St. James. I don't even know if they're a local school. I don't want to speculate. I have no idea. Yeah, why Catholic school not, in Hagerstown. I don't really know why this game is being played, but you know, Spring Mills has a chance to look at the, uh, their bench. You know, Kozlowski was interacting with people on Twitter, asking many of the same questions that we're asking about this game, and mm-hmm. saying, "Well, they got a lot of their depth in. You know, got to see what they had on the bench. You know, just kind of you know getting shots up, getting younger players in the game. So there's some takeaways from this. Uh, you know, any team, and I was on some teams when I played for a smaller Christian school my sophomore year where we went to some places knowing we were going to get killed that's willing to play 32 minutes and put up you know a, a fight and try to you know put some effort into the game uh deserves to be commended but man 91 to 5 is a tough one I never lost that bad yeah but. 91 91 points is tough optically especially when you only see five on the it other was, side because we've all played basketball and it, it can be easy to score on some teams but I mean five it was 83 to nothing at the end of the third 11 wow. different players scored for Spring Mills. It's pretty surprising for St. James because they usually have some pretty good athletics over there. Now, of course, I'm a little bit, I guess, skewed because uh, I only really, I guess, know about the the boys and the men's sports over there. But basketball, football, lacrosse, I mean, all those uh, soccer are all really good out there. So it's, I can't believe that they lost 91-5 to or that uh, Spring Mills beat St. James 91-5. to That's got to be one of the highest point totals for a West Virginia girls basketball team ever. It should be, or at least the highest point deficit, you'd have to think. Um, but good for them. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, they're mm-hmm. a bevy of different players in double figures. So, you know, good for them. They're they're the top girls team, and they're, they're, they're certainly playing like it. Well, we're going to have uh, more basketball here on WPM and WCST tonight as the Shepherd Rams take on the Lockhaven Bald Eagles at the Butcher Center. Lockhaven coming in at 8-2. and two. Pretty good ball club uh, coming out of Lockhaven. Their last two games, a win against Gannon uh, most recently, 69-64, to then a loss to Mercyhurst, 60-82. to So uh, Shepherd kind of coming in, well, I wouldn't say... On the back foot. I mean, they won their last game, or they uh, lost to Pitt Johnstown, but still six of five on the year. Uh, of course, that Pitt Johnstown game, seventy nine to sixty two. That game, they were just never quite. I don't know, never quite in it sounds rough, but they were never quite there in that Pitt-Johnstown game. And to be honest, before I started kind of looking into this game, I thought this Lockhaven game was going to be a great kind of bounce-back game for the Rams, but it looks like they could run into a buzzsaw. I will say this, though. This is a strange Lockhaven team. They're very uh, disciplined, but they're more conducive to a team that Shepard can upset. They don't shoot a lot from outside the arc. They only have two guys that get consistent minutes that shoot threes at a pretty high clip. Their leading scorer is an NAIA transfer in Jay Davis, who's going to be a problem, certainly. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Shepard handles him. 
last game they started Robinson. I don't think they're going to do that again because Philip Jordan was playing yeah. injured or he was playing sick, I should say. Uh, so who's going to match up with him will be a cause for concern. And then a lot of stuff and a lot of damage uh, by Lock Haven is going to be done just inside the paint. You know, 15 feet into the basket, Shepard's going to have to be stout defensively against guys like Eli Washington and James Price for Lockhaven that uh, can really fill it up from inside the lane. So it's a different game than Pitt-St. Johnstown. Like I said, I think it's just a little bit more conducive for Shepard to be competitive against a team that's not going to jack up threes in transition and have an elite post player. But it's still a very disciplined team, although they turn the ball over on a decent clip. Uh, that's going to present unique challenges. And I think that's the vibe that we're getting from conference play early on in the PSAC. When we saw it for football, it, it seemed like every team was the same. Mm-hmm. It was double tight ends. They're going to run it down your throat, play action pass. They all had a really good number one receiver and kind of a gritty quarterback, whatever, and their defenses were just all physical. Basketball it seems like every team's different. Pitt Johnstown plays like an NBA team, and this Lockhaven team looks like a Big East basketball team from 1994. <laughs> so it, it's going to be interesting to see how Shepard matches up but i think they match up relatively well yeah and i'll be excited to see uh, how philip jordan does kind of manning the point himself because drod robinson he did a he did a good enough job i guess kind of in their um last minute emergency point guard if you will and then when jordan when uh, pj came in uh, he had some productive minutes but you could tell that he was a little out of whack and then uh, of course we find out after the game that he was under the weather so hopefully he's back to full strength and um he can really take over that offense because they need that point guard that was one of the things that really kept him in it last year was uh, once guys started getting injured philip jordan stepped up and kind of calmed the team down because Daggett had it settled down down low i mean he was taking everything over but then pj uh, cam stevens those guys up top really controlled things and kept them you know balanced in a game and I think they're still trying to find kind of their I don't know their identity Parker we were talking yesterday uh, this time they look like how they did at the end of the season last year which was kind of them on their come up starting to kind of see what they got and I think it's great that it's happened at this point in the season yeah that's definitely the case you mentioned Philip Jordan that was a guy who really turned it on in the second half of the season with DMC going down in the lineup. There was injuries. There was a lot of COVID stuff going on with the team around that time. And Philip Jordan, Kyle Dager were the two guys that really you could say these two guys is what brought the Rams to go into the PSAC tournament. It's the same thing here looking at this game. You're playing against Lock Haven. They're 8 and 2, but I think that 8 and 2 might be a little bit more inflated from what mm-hmm. you think it is. I mean, they beat Cal, but Cal's not very good this season. Edinburgh's about middle of the pack from what we've seen. A bad loss against Mercyhurst. They're coming off of and barely surviving against Gannon. This is a very winnable game for the Rams, I think. Really, I think it comes down to can DMC get it rolling. I want to see a 20-point performance for him again. I'll get him the ball, let him score a little bit. He's the best in isolation. Get him one one-on-one situations and he can let them work and then again the bigs they were got to come up big guys like Aiden Hewley and guys like Carson Poffenberger control the glass if you control the glass nine times out of ten you're probably going to be winning the game that and the turnovers because this Rams team at times and we've seen them get a little sloppy with the ball and that again you, you turn the ball over your odds of winning the game are going to go extremely down I'm really looking again for DMC to really have a big game tonight against Lockhaven and really for them to control. And again, watch out for John Preston as well. It's a guy, if he gets hot tonight, it could be an issue. Uh, and I wanted to add to that, we'll have our first play-by-play Shepherd women's basketball tonight as well against Lock Haven. But that game, uh, you have to find online. On our Panhandle website, there'll be a, a link to uh, live streaming sports. Uh, and the women's game will begin at uh, 5.30. Also taking on Lock Haven. Uh, a somewhat beatable Lock Haven women's team at just 4-6. and six. Shepherd, of course, in the women's basketball, uh, still in search of their first win. That'll be all right here on the Panhandle News Network. Of course, we got you covered with uh, all your news locally and your sports now that we're deep into 
basketball season. We'll step aside for the bottom of the hour, come back, and, uh, well, keep chatting. Uh, we'll, just, we'll get into this little football when we come back from the break on uh, Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Hi, this is Brian Walker. Looking for Walker. Touchdown, Rams. Brian Walker catches the record-breaking touchdown pass as he finds his quarterback. You listen to Panhandle Sports Live on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchen to Bath. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchen on Facebook or visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. And Jordan Ice Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Um, real quick before we really start to dive into football, has there been any new news on uh, the Bills player or anything? And I don't think they're planning on rescheduling the game, at least it seems like as of now. Yeah, it looks like it's trending towards being a no contest. The biggest report I saw... Uh, Hamlin had to be resuscitated twice, it sounded like. We're starting to get more details. Uh, and he was heavily on oxygen when he was in the uh, uh, the emergency room, taken to the hospital for the first time. Uh, that was up to, he was 100% reliant on oxygen. And that number had dropped to about 50%. So he's starting to produce just a little bit more on his own and breathe a little bit more on his own. His family continues to come out and say, you know, thank you for donating for his charity. Thank you for your prayers. I don't think it's over yet, but it looks like he's trending in the right direction for uh, what was a really, really serious incident. Um, but like you said, that the NFL, I didn't know this when we were on the air yesterday, it looked like they had to have the game rescheduled within a 48-hour period. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just don't think logistically that was going to work. So it becomes really messy the rest of the way uh, if that game's deemed a no contest. Uh, which it looks like it's going to be, what that's going to do for the playoff picture. But obviously the biggest concern is Hamlin. And like I said, while it's obviously not over yet and still a serious situation, he's trending in the right direction. And what's really good about it, too, again, DeMar Hamlin's charity has been getting so much love. He wanted to raise $2,500 online to buy toys for needy kids in the area where he grew up at. He certainly got over that amount. Oh, he's It's $5.5 million now is what he's up Incredible. to. He's he's the number one selling jersey across not only at the NFL but all sports right now. He's the number one selling jersey. It's and I'm pretty sure all jersey sales for DeMar Hamlin right now are going back into the charity as well, which is it's it's fantastic to see everyone rallying around DeMar and seeing everyone really get behind him in this situation. Again, it seems like the worst of the situation, the worst case scenario, it looks like it's going to be avoided from what seemed which is fantastic news absolutely fantastic news he's still he's getting more to himself at this point he's still currently in critical condition but he's a lot better than what he was certainly monday night which is very very promising to see and we hope he makes a speedy recovery and gets himself out of the hospital here very very soon yeah what a scary situation but i'm glad to see that it's uh, at least starting to uh, become a better situation than what it was but uh speaking of the nfl got a couple of uh college guys that are putting their name into the draft now that their uh, seasons have concluded you got bryce young will anderson uh you have brian breeze ronnie brown tyson bajan a couple other names you guys <laughs> did put on there uh, but what are we thinking about this class do you think it's going to be a pretty good class coming out of college and uh, another one of these big ones that could be big stars in the NFL I think it's a real possibility CJ Stroud I want to bring him up as well he had a fantastic outing against Georgia in that in that Peach Bowl matchup they had over the weekend it's going to be exciting a lot of new guys are going to be coming in of course the number one overall pick it's it's looking like it's lining up to be either the Houston Texans or the Chicago Bears are going to be picking number one depending on who picks there Houston if they get the number one pick which if they lose they will lock the number one pick up Looking like that's either going to be Bryce Young from Alabama or C.J. Stroud from Ohio State from all accounts. You could consider Jalen Carter a defensive 
an interior defensive lineman from Georgia who's very, very good, really good pass rusher from the interior, or a guy like Will Anderson who's a really good edge rusher out of Alabama and by far and away the best edge rusher out of the class. A guy I want to highlight as well, Tajay Spears of Tulane. If you watch the Cotton Bowl, he had a fantastic game. He ran over 200 yards and four touchdowns and helped the Green Wave upset USC. He enters his name into the draft, and he looked fantastic. I'm really hoping for a good NFL career for Tajay Spears. He looked really great for Tulane. And Brian Brzee as well, he announces declaration for the draft this morning he's a really good interior lineman he was the number one recruit out of high school from ESPN's 300 in 2020 and he really put together a really good season he finished his career with three and a half sacks really good interior pressure guy has he's actually battled a lot he had a sister that passed away from brain cancer at age 15 he had Hmm. a torn ACL that he had to deal with and and college in his second year he's battled a lot he's a really good player I project him to go in the top 15 of the draft and you mentioned before it rams in the draft we got Joey Fisher we've got Tyson Bajant Ronnie Brown expect Brian Walker to throw his name into that mix as well there's a lot of guys there's a lot of exciting prospects in this draft coming up I'm really interested to see where things shake out and who goes where and it seems defensive heavy it looks like this will be a good draft for the big 12 uh, an opportunity for a couple of different Big 12 players to go in the first round. Quentin Johnson uh, and Tyree Wilson both could be in the top 10. And this is when the Big 12 just didn't have players selected in multiple first rounds uh, a couple of years in a row. The quarterback class is going to be interesting. How talented are players like Kali Ring- uh, Ringo excuse me, uh, to push quarterbacks down the, the line? Skaronski is somebody else that coming into this year we thought would be one of the top linemen, could potentially be a top five pick. His name's starting to fall. Are quarterbacks going to fall with them could four signal callers go could five uh I, I like the draft it's a balanced draft class like i said it's, i think it's a little bit more defense than offensive heavy uh which will be a, a welcome reprieve over the drafts we've had over the last couple of years and of course uh keeping our eyes on where tyson bajan could potentially be drafted uh this also seems like uh, first time in a long time we might have multiple running backs go in the first round because Bijan robinson i think is a lock uh, and then people really like Jameer Gibbs, which I don't know if I would take him in the first, but we'll have to see. Uh, I love the NFL draft every year, and I'm looking forward to us getting the opportunity to cover it when it gets a little bit closer. So who's number one? Who's first one off the board? Bryce Young. Yeah, I, I think right. it kind of depends on, who again, who's taking there at number one. I think if it's Houston, if you told me today, I would say Bryce Young would be the number one pick just from what he brings to the table. I, I really... I really like C.J. Stroud, and I think overall I like maybe his size better than Bryce Young because that's the big concern with him. He's a smaller guy at that quarterback spot, and you're really looking at looking to that situation. A guy that a lot of analysts like right now is Kentucky quarterback Will Levis. It's a guy he looked really good last year. He didn't look the best this year. His offensive coordinator left to go for the Rams. He's got great size, 6'3", 232. A lot of people are comparing him to a Josh Allen type of quarterback. He might be a little raw coming out, but if you work with him, he could be a dangerous weapon like Josh has turned into. But that's a guy to look onto the board as well. Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech. I think he's going to go in the top 10, guys. He's Outside of Will Anderson, he's my top edge rusher. He's fantastic. He's athletic really long arms he's he's gonna be a fantastic player and a guy I really like as well he opted out so he wasn't able to play in their bowl game but Michael Mayer from Notre Dame the top tight end in this year's draft is a really good prospect I like him a lot I think he'll be a quality tight end for whoever takes him in the NFL draft well we'll find out uh what happens would you guys ever go to the draft as like a fan to the NFL draft and like hang out in the theater or wherever it's at yeah I wouldn't say no to it I yeah. enjoy it's a shame I won't be able to do it this year it was a big U92 tradition college radio covering the draft and kind of doing our own thing 
Um, I, I think covering it's just a little bit more fun. But I could, I mean, depending on where it happens, the Vegas one last year was really disappointing from what mm-hmm. I could see. And well, I you, think, got, you got too many other things to do in Vegas. Yeah, exactly. and, watch and weather had a lot to do with that as well. So, I mean, like if it happened in Baltimore or D.C., and the Raiders had a high first round pick. I'd, I'd probably go to it. Well, it sounds like very specific demands from Luke well, for an NFL draft. I'm not, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to five. Oregon for the Raiders to not have a first round pick. No, let's take it back to not, Music City, man. I would not do that. That was a cool. Yeah, draft. just take yeah. it back. Just take it back to New York City. That's that's where it was fun. Yeah, that was a good old days. It's Kansas City this year. I think is hosting the draft. Yeah, so I'm, I'm be... not interested in going to Kansas. City. Yeah. yeah, no thanks. Well, I mean, the Kansas only... City is just a bunch of concrete. Yeah, that and barbecue. <laughs> let's, let's keep it real. Yeah, concrete and uh, fountains. Fountain City, USA. Oh, they get the most fountains, right. most fountains per capita in a uh, city in the U.S. Well, that's go. the whole reason they got the uh, the Royal City Connect jerseys with like the big fountain of the Royals. Mm-hmm. And the back of the behind the uh, back wall, it's all big fountain. You ever notice yes, that? Yes, it is. Yeah. I've been yeah. to Kaufman, and the thing that stands out the most about Kaufman is a steep hill beyond the outfield wall and a motel that's been there since like 1950 <laughs> that you could just see from everywhere in the stadium and then just a bunch of concrete. I'd love to see that scoreboard in person. It's pretty That scoreboard looks impressive, especially now that it's all LED. That whole mm-hmm. thing is LED. It's pretty neat. Well, you can see it. Just get on 70. Just go up here, get on 70. It'll take <laughs> you a couple go. hours. It'll go, go right past you it. You have to make it it's like NASCAR. No left or right turns. <laughs> yeah, hey, you're good to go. Put it in cruise control you're and you're there. And you might end up, uh, well, you will end up in Denver at some point on uh, yeah. 70. Go figure. Who'd have thought? But uh, speaking of baseball, Orioles, uh, they trade for Rhino Hearn and Rafi Devers. And uh, the Red Sox finally figure something out for a long-term extension. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about O'Hearn because I think it's a good bit of business for the O's uh, to get a bat that they're kind of trying to become a reclamation project. Um, you know, he's still in his physical prime. He's 29. Uh, people may remember his first couple of years in Major League Baseball in 2018-2019. He had a little bit more pop to his bat. Hit 26 home runs over those first two years combined. So it's a good flyer to take on a player for the O's that just need depth. He can play a couple of different positions. He'll come off the bench. Um, you know, we're talking about them making big strides. He's somebody that was not on the Royals team that won the World Series, but was just kind of in the the hangover for some of the players that were still there. So he's been around winning culture and winning players. So it's not somebody that would move the need. I wouldn't talk about it if it wasn't the O's, mm-hmm. just because he's not a huge name. But I just feel like that long term could be a decent bit of business for them. Yeah, and the Rafi Devers signing the, him and the Red Sox worked out a one-year, $17.5 million deal. For Rafi Devers, that's a humongous bargain. And the goal with this is to get a long-term contract done for Rafi and lock him up in Boston. Really, it's going to come down to can they form the pieces around him to get a team that's going to be able to compete right now. If they can, I think they get the long-term extension done. But again, if they look to do what kind of – it won't be the haul that the Nationals got for Juan Soto, but there could be a massive haul for Rafi Devers if it's a situation with the Red Sox or not doing well they could ship him out of boston and get a bunch of players and prospects coming back for a team where you don't really know which way they're going honestly they signed Corey kluber to add to their pitching rotation but you got a guy like xander bogart's leave to go to san diego you're not sure what boston's bringing to the table in a very competitive american league east where a lot of people think that's the most competitive division in baseball right now you've got the orioles that we just mentioned before they're probably going to be vying for a playoff spot this year the rays are consistently making their way into the wild card if not winning the al east You've got teams like the Yankees who got Aaron Judge back, added some pieces. Their pitching rotation is arguably the best in baseball right now. 
You've got teams on teams on teams right now looking into this division. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I, did, I forgot to even mention the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are coming in with another loaded roster and going to make a run for it this year. It's a tough division, and if Boston wants to deal out Rafi Devers and you send him to a team looking to get into a big World Series run, you could get a massive haul. Again, it's not going to be a Juan Soto type of load where you're getting three top-end prospects, but you could be getting two because Rafi, I believe, is only 26 now. It's a young guy. He's in his prime. And either way, I think the Red Sox win. It's a good deal of business for Boston. Well, we've got to step aside one final time. We'll come back and we'll get Parker's picks and wrap things up here on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Hey, it's Ronnie Brown. It's a good block. Hurdles a defender. And he's across the 10, the 5. Touchdown, Rams. Ronnie Brown gets him back to within a score. And you listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bath. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com. On Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Proving it's never fails. Never failed once. All right, it was a one for two yesterday, and you're probably asking, why is it a one for two and not a two for three or a one for three? Well, one of the picks I made yesterday went void because Shea Gilgis Alexander went down with an injury for Oklahoma City last night, and what was a big win for the Thunder? 150 scored against Boston last night. But going into today, the lock of yesterday was not able to hit. I had Jalen Brown going for three or more made threes. He was not able to hit that mark, but Marquette was able to win their matchup against Seton Hall and get the win in that one looking into today's picks i'm going for the bucks to beat the raptors is my lock of the day for some reason and i don't know why they have milwaukee plus three going into toronto tonight and i was i asked the guys i said is Giannis not playing are they resting him what's going on there it's weird to see milwaukee at a plus three especially when Giannis just went for 55 against the wizards last night so i'm going milwaukee plus three on the spread when the money line to win against the Raptors. Have them win outright tonight against Toronto. You don't even need the spread. I'm going UConn to beat Providence as well this evening. It's going to be a good matchup. UConn's a top-five team in college basketball right now. I think the Huskies keep it rolling, and they are able to beat Providence. And Nave, is there a scarier mascot in college than Providence's, guys? Yeah, the uh, Purdue guy. The, I would say maybe the Boilerman. That might be the only other competition. Pretty? Which one? The would you say college basketball or just sports in general? Or, or just college sports and basketball? Oh, I was, just I was college thinking of gritty from the Philadelphia Flyers. The Nittany, the Nittany Lion one's kind of creepy too. It's a little creepy. What is that one? Just a it's like just a mountain lion. It's just like a guy in a white, just like suit <laughs> with a kind of Gosh. weird head on it. The, is yeah. it the the St. Joe's is the the bird that has to flap its wings the whole game? It, just, <laughs> it stands in the corner of the court. And, That's to be an awful it flaps job. Its wings like. They, they they put a pacemaker, what not a pacemaker, whatever. Oh, God. Is. I hope not. <laughs> the, 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 the odometer, or whatever there it's called. Go, How yeah. many times he flapped his wings oh in a game? Gosh. Hey, I hope he doesn't have a pacemaker. Gosh, I hope he might need a different job at school. I was, I was about say, to say, yeah. that's a stressful job for a college kid. Probably. <laughs> yeah, it gets hard down there in the hawk suit. <laughs> oh, bro, I'm going to interrupt you because you oh, brought yeah. the mascots. I saw this thing the other day about this mascot that got uh, charges pressed against him against another mascot for another school. Because something happened where he was, uh, they were like talking off off the field or whatever, and they got in this argument, and they got in this huge fight, but nobody knew that they were actually fighting because they're mascots. So everybody <laughs> thought it was just like was a, a bit. bit they were doing until the kid ripped the other guy's like uh, 
foam head off and actually started like hitting him and choking him and stuff. And then the police finally came in and got him. These mascots, man, yeah. you never know what's going on under those uh, under those. No one the pain behind the. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know, it gets real when the head comes off. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, all right, it's real. Mm-hmm. So I'll get okay. Lock of the day once again. Bucks beat the Raptors. UConn beats Providence. I got for my final pick. Tyrese Halliburton for the Indiana Pacers scores 19 or more points tonight against the Philadelphia 76ers. That's Parker's picks for your Wednesday as we get ready to wrap things up. But it, I think I saw a big game boomer article about like best and worst mascots from like Division One. The past. I think Willie the Wildcat was towards the end of the list. Interesting. Which hmm. I thought was kind of surprising. The Mountaineer did make the top 10, by the it way. Has to. It's like, yeah, yeah. Mountaineer is a good one. I think that uh, you never see the Terrapin in there. Right? Kind of no. just kind of skips over the old Terpies, it seems. Well, anyways, I want to talk a little basketball real quick, too, because in uh, Big 12 basketball, we had a record-setting uh, scoring game for K-State as they beat uh, Texas in a game that, uh, if you were just scanning through, you would have thought was an NBA game, mid-season game, that nobody you know, really cared on either side to play defense. But this was a big-time Big 12 game, and K-State scores like a million points. Yeah, this was a, a really special game. Broke the Big 12 scoring record, 219 combined points. Uh, in this game that the Wildcats win 116-103 to 103 over the number 6 Longhorns. Obviously still kind of reeling, uh, trying to figure out what their long-term plan is going to be at the coaching position. But uh, the Big 12, I mean, there's going to be a lot of cannibalism in that conference mm-hmm. because everybody can beat everybody. Uh, Parker said before we came on the air that it makes the, the Mountaineer loss to Kansas State a little bit better. And I think it just personifies how tough that conference is going to be uh, for the Mountaineers to have back-to-back ranked opponents at home, including Kansas. Uh, it, it's going to be fun for an outside perspective to see the Big 12 teams in action this year because again anybody can beat anybody yeah I think so too you look at it you got a Kansas State team that's probably going to be ranked in the top 15 now with wins against WVU and wins over Texas who was coming in number five in the nation in that game and top to bottom the Big 12 is going to be tough you're going to be seeing teams beat each other and consistently go back and forth if I if I was betting I wouldn't bet a single game on the Big 12 because you don't know who's going to win every single night TCU and Baylor are playing tonight that's another game it features two teams ranked in the top 20 in the nation it's going to be tough for anyone to make it out of the Big 12. And you could see, I think, anywhere between six to nine teams get into the NCAA tournament out of the Big 12. It's just that good. It's by far and away the best conference right now in, in college basketball. There's there's not many teams and not many conferences that are going to be able to hang with the Big 12 come tourney time. And finally, Luke, uh, your Wizards fall 123-113 to to the Bucks, and Giannis puts 55 up in a career-high performance. Yeah, all of a sudden, Ruby Hachimura can't square, score anymore. I said this before we came on the air as well. We've reached the point in the season where the Wizards think they're good, so they won't make a trade at the deadline. They won't blow it up, and they'll come up with the 10th pick in the draft. Uh, it's time for this team to rebuild. I watched Scoot Henderson have one of the most incredible dunks I've ever seen from an 18-year-old yesterday, and Victor Wimbanyama is the greatest prospect since LeBron. Uh, if there was ever a year to tank, uh, Tommy Shepard's GM of the Wizards, please make it this year. Well, fellas, just about does it for us for today. Any final thoughts while we got a couple seconds? Uh, yeah, Jim Harbaugh held discussions apparently with the Carolina Panthers owner on the head coaching job, so I'm not too sure what that comes into fruition. Might be just a little curiosity from Jim, but... I can't see him leaving Michigan. That's his dream job. I think it's just smoke coming out there. And I think Steve Wilkes actually keeps the job of Carolina. Uh, Shepard women's basketball tonight, men's as well. Men on the air, women, you have to go to the website. And Washington baseball, their field got lights for the first time ever. Congratulations to them. Heck yeah, absolutely. Well, if you missed the show today, you can listen back to it a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. But for Parker and Luke, I'm Jordan. Panhandle Live is next. Have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.